0: We're going to start a new tradition this morning. It's the moving of the mask. One, two, three. Excellent. Yeah, that's right. I can breathe now. Thanks so much for being here. And let's join in our worship service as we assemble together. We shall assemble on the mountain, we shall
1: assemble at the throne. With hearts in tune to his presence. We bring an offering of song. Glory and honor and dominion. Unto the Lamb, unto the King. Oh, hallelujah,
0: hallelujah.
1: We sing the song of the redeem. Glory and honor and dominion unto the Lamb, unto the King.
2: i inter- couple of announcements, we want to add uh, a friend of uh, Jill and Steve Krueger's, Mahon Porter, to our prayer list, and also Mike Sullivan, who always sits back here on the very back row. His mother passed away, and her funeral is today. That's Lynn Sullivan Emery. Her funeral is today at 2, visitation at 1, and that's all we have, so let's join in our
0: circle. Let's sing again, we have come into his house. We have come into his house together.
1: in Jesus
3: name
4: see throughout the Bible that maybe you've never paid attention to, um, that's trees. Now I grew up in West Texas where we don't actually have a lot of trees. Uh, We even have a town close to where I grew up called No Trees. Uh, True story, you can look it up. Um, But we see a uh, a pattern of trees throughout the Bible, actually. Uh, There's a tree in Genesis uh, chapter 3, of course, So Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 11, I'm going to read for you. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Verse 11, And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Such a, such a parent thing to say to their kid that has just disobeyed and they know it. Um, God told us not to eat from this tree. We had everything that we needed from God. And yet this one thing we couldn't do. And, uh, and you know, here we are thousands and thousands and thousands of years later and, and still paying the price for that mistake. And yet... If the Bible ended with that one tree, if the Bible story ended with that one tree, then it'd be a pretty sad story, right? If the Bible ended at chap- uh, Genesis chapter 3, um, we wouldn't be here this morning. We would have no hope in this life or in the, the life uh, that, to come after. And yet we know, by the fact that we're here this morning, we know that uh, there is hope. The story does continue. In Galatians chapter 3, we hear about another tree, actually. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, "Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone who was hung on a pole." Other versions read, "Who was hung on a tree." the cross. The cross was two pieces of wood made from a tree. It's very ironic, I think, uh, in a very poetic, purposeful way, that it was a tree that uh, sent us into a slavery um, uh, of sin, a a slavery of separation from God, and it was a tree that saved us from that very uh, mistake. And that brings us to today, every Sunday morning, that we come together as a church. Whether it's here in the church building, or it's at home, uh, maybe at your dining table, or at your coffee table. Most of us around the world this morning are gathered around a table. A table, as you can see, uh, that's also made from a tree. And again, maybe you're not around a table, but I, I think it's also a very purposeful, poetic uh, irony that uh, a tree started, our, started out our story separating us from God and a tree saved us from our sin and a tree brings us together today this morning used to make the table which we symbolically gather around not to mourn our Savior's death but to celebrate his victory over death. I'm going to read real quick from First Corinthians 11. Chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, what an incredible story uh, that you've written. And yet, it's not some uh, distant, uh, imaginary, pretend fairy tale that you have written. Yet, this is the story, or rather, the history of your love for us, your creation uh, of us and everything around us. And the story of what a father would do. To what extent a father would go to show his love and save his children. God, we are so thankful to be in the presence, to be called children by the God who opened his mouth and spoke the entire creation, the entire known and unknown universe into existence. And you don't just call us citizens of your kingdom, you call us your heirs, your children, your prized possession. And yet we don't deserve this, God. We don't deserve anything from you. So we, at this time, thank you for your unconditional amazing love that compares to nothing else in all of creation. Your love that would send your, your own son to die on a tree for our sins. So that we can have this this fellowship, this feast together. Celebrating your love together as a family. That love that is not just between you and us, but between all of us. Connecting us all together, all over the world. What an amazing thing to be a part of. We thank you for, for your son's body that was broken on the cross. So that we could have this time together. Through your son Jesus we pray. Amen. Back during the first century, after the church started, uh, there was uh, there's a story of a um, a ruler that sent a servant to go and spy on the uh, on the church, not understanding what this we'll call it in uh, in in air quotes um, what this cult uh, that was meeting secretly uh, was doing, and uh, sent his servant to spy on them, and when the spy returned, he said, well, they they sing some songs together, and then they have a meal together, but while it looks like they're just eating bread and, and, and wine, uh, they're saying that it's they're eating someone's body and drinking someone's blood, thinking that it was a, a strange thing. They just dismissed it as, it's nothing but that, a, uh, a strange thing that people were doing because they had no context, right? Now we know that this is not actually the body of Jesus. This is not actually the blood of, of Christ. And yet we understand the, uh, the context in which we, we take this every, every week, right? We understand that his body was broken, not for his sins, but for ours. For our mistakes. Um, when we weren't even uh, a thought to anyone but God, uh, until two thousand something years later, uh, Christ died for for our sins. His body broken, His blood shed on the cross. Um, that's why it says in, in Hebrews four that we have a high priest that can go before God, because and He, he He's one that understands us. He He has compassion on us um, because He's walked this road. He's lived this life, and yet He did it without sin so that he could make that sacrifice for us. Let's go to God and pray for the Jews. God, what an amazing sacrifice. Um, I think of the verse in Romans 5 that talks about for a good man, someone might, uh, for a righteous men, someone might be willing to give up their life. And yet, when we think about the lives that we live, we do some good things but none of it compares to your goodness God and so we're humbled in your presence failing at times to understand why you would love us so much that we've done nothing to deserve being even even able to say the name your name and yet you love us so much more than that. You invite us to be part of your family. You invite us to have fellowship with you and with each other. You wash our sins away through the blood of your son, Jesus. For that, we, we are eternally, eternally grateful, God. We know we don't always show it, but right now we stop. We pause our lives and we give you thanks. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the thanks that you do for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.
5: me today is a day of many firsts. First, it is so good to see all of you, and it's so good to see those who are online with us. I want to make point of that here in a few minutes. It's also a first that I have put on a suit and a tie since March 11th. March 11th was our very last day of school, and uh, I wear a suit and tie every day to school, and that was the first day or the last day, I put this on, and that's been a long time ago. Uh, so it's, it takes some getting used to uh, getting it back on. It's also a first of not um, attending worship in our home, not watching worship on a TV, not having a cup of coffee in my hand as we go through worship and, in, and participate. So lots of first today. I do want to read um, a scripture because I want to make sure that those who are at home right now do not feel like they are alone. I want you to listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 4. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. So, for those who are um, at home right now and with us live, I want to make sure that you feel that you are part of us. Right? We are one body. Just because we have not met together in the last three and a half months does not mean that we are not one body in Christ. We're not one family together. And so, even though we have a small number here in our auditorium, we have even larger crowd at home. Um, watching through uh, the technology that we have and we are one family and we serve one God and through one Jesus we are all brought together and we still to this day no matter where we are in the world we still to this day can be pierced at the heart to serve through one Holy Spirit. So for those who are viewing online I'm used to Preaching to a camera now. Wednesday, last Wednesday night, I had the opportunity um, to go and speak virtually, as Steve did, at Woodson Chapel, the congregation Shelly and I grew up at, and that was I felt like that was my last preaching to a camera, uh, but I'm used to it now, as Steve is also, looking into blackness and hoping someone is on the other side of that screen. Uh, And paying attention and also hoping you don't get through half your sermon and the camera go out or something. uh, And then you have to start all over again. Uh, But then uh, Friday night we had a small event with uh, some families, youth and children's families here. And it was nice to be able to stand in front of people, living people, and speak. And today that continues on and we will continue that in a very safe environment. Um, So I appreciate those who are at home making wise decisions Those who are here making wise decisions, uh, we want to make sure that we provide a safe environment for everybody. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 9 in a minute. So a few weeks ago, um, I preached to the camera, to you online, um, about Jesus being the true vine. ...and that we came to a better understanding, which I didn't know about at that time, of a true vineyard. And the grapes on a vine in a high-quality vineyard are those grapes that are closest to the the vine, the middle section... ...that all those branches shoot off of. Because they receive all of their nutrients and all the strength that they need to be the highest-quality grapes for high-quality wine... ...from being closest to that central vine. The same is for us as Christians. Those Christians who are strong in their faith... ...strong in their walk, strong in their service... ...are the ones that are closest to Jesus being the true vine. And we saw that in the first part of John chapter 15. If we want to have a strong walk with God... ...if we want to have a strong faith... ...in our everyday walk... ...then we must be close to the vine... ...which is Jesus Christ. And we worked through that... ...and I told you we were going to hit... ...into the next part of love. Because right after the true vine... ...there is the section... ...verse 9-17 through 17 of John chapter 15... ...of love. Why do we need love today why do we need love right here and now i want you to go back to the beginning of march and what occurred first the tornadoes ran through our communities in middle tennessee throughout tennessee and destroyed do you remember that that seems like forever ago now right But this all started in early March with those tornadoes coming through and devastating parts of downtown Nashville and towards East Tennessee. And some of us had the opportunity to go out and to help serve those people for a very limited amount of time, not knowing what was about to occur. And then all of a sudden the coronavirus comes in and totally wipes us out and thousands upon thousands of deaths and seeing the horror stories of hospitals in the northern part of the country and just people we might know around here or throughout this country, throughout this world. Why do we need love during those tornadoes? Why do we need love during coronavirus? Why do we need love during complete lockdown when you can't even leave your home because of... The fear of what might happen. And then, why do we need love in the injustice that is going on in our world today also? Why do we need love when racial racial tensions have come upon us? And the reality that there are inequalities in our world. Why do we need love in any of those situations? And what does love truly mean? Look at John chapter 15, verse 9. John chapter 15. Get your Bibles out. I want to hear those pages. Get with me. If you're online, get your phones out. Get your iPads. Get your um, Bibles out with me. John 15, verse 9 says, As the Father loved me. And if you have red letter edition, this is in red letters, right? Meaning Jesus spoke these words. As the Father loved me, as God loved Jesus, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Isn't that encouraging? Because God loved Jesus first. And we talked about that. Because God was the vine dresser in the first part of John 15. The vine dresser's one job is to take care of the vines. And Jesus said, God is the vine dresser. God's one job is to take care of Jesus, and he does, and Jesus realizes that. Jesus knew that he was loved by God, and because he was loved by God, he loves us. And it's not the ooey-gooey feeling that a boyfriend-girlfriend, or a husband-wife, or... ...somebody you, you, you kind of think is cute and you like... ...it's not that ooey-gooey feeling. Love in the Bible isn't that feeling that you get. It's wanting what's best for the other person. And because God wanted what's best for Jesus... ...Jesus wants what's best for us. That's what love is. And he makes that point in verse 9. But then he goes on in verse 10... If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love... ...just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. God had a purpose for Jesus. It was to come and seek and save the lost. And in the very end, even when Jesus asked God Himself... ...if this can be taken from me, please let it be taken from me... Jesus still followed through with the commandment of God. And that commandment was to pay the price for sin. On that cross that Adam did so well, explaining to us. Jesus kept his promise. Jesus followed the commandment he was given to us. And he asked us to keep his commandments. And what's that? It boils down to two things. One, love love. God, love God, and number two, love others. Many times we're all guilty of saying the Bible is really complicated. It's got all these rules, it's got all these things we have to do, and we can't do this, and I can't say this, and, and all these, there's so many pages, and all these fancy words at times. The Bible is not complicated. The commandment that we have been given is not complicated. We complicate it. We in our daily walks complicate love God and love others. We're going to look into that in a second here. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. We need a lot of joy right now, don't we? It's been depressing. It was depressing to see the devastation of the tornadoes and people just totally wiped out. It was depressing being cooped up. It was nice, I'll be honest. It was nice for a little bit. Not having to go anywhere and spend time with your family, do some new things, work on your health, all those kind of things were nice for a while, but three months later, right, we're about ready to, I'm not going to use the word, hurt those who are around us. (laughs) Because we've had a lot of family time now. We need joy. We need joy. It's been a struggle here. And then not knowing what's going to happen next, and then the the injustice and the, the the reports and the news that we see on TV is just depressing. He says, I've spoken these things to you. Keep my commandments, and the joy, true joy, will be in you. Look at verse 12. This is my commandment that you, and not that we didn't already know this, but he reinforces it. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's not not complicated. Those words in 12 and 13 aren't complicated. I am to love others... And be willing to lay my life down for them. Now, I make that extremely complicated. Because I don't like everybody. I, I don't agree with you. You think I'm going to die for you? See how I make that complicated. Look at verse 14 because he talks about friends. Friends. And let's remind ourselves, verse 12 and 13, Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done, right? Jesus did, verse 12 and 13. He's not asking us. I cannot stand a leader that doesn't do what they're asking others to do. I am a servant leader. If I'm going to ask somebody to do something, I'm going to get in the trenches with them and do it also i really struggle, and I've had, I've had leaders, I've had bosses that I have struggled to follow because it was a dictatorship. You told me what to do, I better do it while you sat in your office. That doesn't work with me. Jesus isn't like that. He's a servant leader that does exactly what he's asking us to do. Verse 14, you are my friends... If you do whatever I command you. What does that mean? He's friends. What does that mean? Let's look at this. No longer, in verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you." I want you to think about there was a lot of meat there. Jesus saying, "You are a friend now. No longer is a servant-master relationship, and you think back into when that was in existence. And your understanding of what that concept means, one person, a master, told a servant, you do this, you better do it now and get it done. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care if you want to do it. I don't care if you don't want to do it. I don't care. You have to do what I say. That's not a close relationship. And Jesus is saying here, "It's it's not like that. If you decide to follow Jesus, you are made into a friend. I want you to think about your friends. One of the hardest parts of us not being together has been what? Not being able to see our brothers and sisters, our friends in Christ, our closest friends. I hope that some of your closest friends are within Heritage Church. And that's been the hardest part, is not being able to over time to see each other ...and to interact with each other and to truly be in each other's presence... ...and feed off each other because we are friends. Why is that? Because we have an intimate relationship with one another. God is saying, if you keep my commandments, you are my friend. No longer, I'm not going to tell you to do this and expect you to do it without any care... But you are a friend, which means I want what's best for you. I want you and I to have a relationship together. I want you and I to have a life together where we are encouraging one another. And verse 16 is so powerful. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done for us. Jesus said, I chose you. We know in 1 Peter, you are a chosen people. God cares enough about you. Jesus loves you enough that not only did he lay his life down for you, Jesus chose you. In verse 17, he wraps it with a bow one more time. These things I command you that you love one another. As we conclude and offer an invitation, turn over to John chapter 19. I want you to find John 19, four chapters over, and I want you to put your finger at verse 28, and then I want you to listen. John 19, verse 28. I can't breathe. What a powerful statement that will forever be in our existence has extreme amount of meaning and understanding when we hear those three words to us today i can't breathe that wasn't an original statement Because do you realize what Jesus died from? Jesus died for you and for me because he could no longer breathe. There was a pin placed in his foot on the bottom of that cross. And if he wanted to breathe, he had to endure the pain To push up on that spike driven through his two feet and take a breath and then release. You can't do that very long. You can't do that very long. I can't breathe is a statement, not that was come up by a man based off of this reading but i want you to look at verse verse 28 of john chapter 19 after this jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that scripture might be fulfilled he did what god commanded him to do said i thirst Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it up to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. We are called to love God and to love one another. Only because God kept his promise with Jesus. Jesus kept his promise with us. And we are called to love God and love others because of what they have done for us. If we can encourage you anyway this morning, here in this auditorium, online, we encourage you to please call... Call Steve, call myself, call one of the elders, call a deacon. Contact us this week. We want to be encouragement. For those sitting here, Jesus paid the price for us. We're called to love God. We're called to love others. Let's encourage one another as we stand and sing. A common
1: love for
5: come each other, other. common you
0: Supper here next Sunday morning, and if eighty of us will bring one person, we can have one hundred sixty next week. So that's what I would like to see. That that's just what I want. If you will, let's put our masks back on. Ma- mask back on. We're about to sing our last song. Yes, ma'am. Contribution boxes in the foyer. Where are we supposed to leave our checks on our? See? Oh, put it. Okay. Let's sing When We All Get to Heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. will be the last ones out. You'll be dismissed by Rose in just a moment. DJ.
6: Let's pray. Father, you are awesome and your name is great. And Father, we want you to come soon. We are ready for you to come back. We are ready to be with you. But until then, Father, we ask that you help us to do your work here. um, To remember that Um, we we have a mission here and that no matter what stands in our way no matter what comes along that we still have a mission and that's to tell other people about you to disciple god thank you for jesus thank you for sending him for us Um, thank you for his sacrifice so that we might have a chance to be with you father right now everybody's struggling and it's it's hard and it's difficult um, life has been turned upside down. It's, it's just different than it was. But Father, I ask that you give us the perseverance. I ask that you, you be with other people, that you send your spirit on them to keep them motivated, to keep them in good spirits. Father, help us to understand that we are not the first people to be persecuted. We are not the first people to go through hardships and that with you, we can make it. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunities you give us every day. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, please start from the back row and go. I'm not going to fly to attendant you, but then please actually stay outside and talk with one another, if you can, in the sunshine. Thank you..